We've partnered with Vicoco for today's podcast episode. They're a vegan online cooking school that was created by German vegan twins, Lucas and Samuel. They have everything from pastry, chocolate and raw food to a variety of different Asian cuisines. They offer a seven-day free trial that you can grab if you're not ready to sign up straight away. But they also have one, three, six and 12-month gift cards, which gives you access to all 15 plus courses, 500 plus lessons starting at only $35. For being our podcast listeners, you get $10 off. So for example, the one month gift card would be just $25. Use the discount code TMV10 at checkout to get $10 off. It makes the perfect gift. Visit vcoco.com today to take advantage of this wonderful offer. That's V-E-E-C-O-C-O.com. Now onto the podcast. to the Minimalist Vegan Podcast, where we explore what it means to live with less stuff and more compassion. Hello, my name is Michael and I'm joined by my wife and co-host Marsha. Say hello. Hello. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the grind of creating content for a living and how that ties into living a, a life of intentionality and meaning. But before we do that, Marsha, how's your last couple of weeks been? Well, you know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. You might surprise me. No, it's been good. It's been actually quite uh, motivating, pretty full on, but it's been going at a steady pace, which is nice. We've built a bit of momentum, so I've been enjoying it. So we've been publishing articles. We published a post last week, early last week, around vegan beauty brands to support. And so we've compiled a list of 25 brands that some of them, if you know us back in the day, well, back in the day, only a couple of years ago, yeah. we used to have an online store selling everyday essentials. So we did actually work with quite a few of these brands in the past. So we've done a lot of uh, scrutinizing in the past in terms of what we were comfortable with selling. And now we wanted, because I get messages every now and then asking which brands I would recommend. And we also did a podcast episode on, I think it was around toxic chemicals. That's right. So I promised back then that I would put together a list of brands and it's taken me forever and a day to get that together. So finally it's up and um, we'll link that in the show notes as well, but it's a recent blog post. So you'll be able to find it quite easy if you're interested And it's not just Australian brands. We do have quite a few of them that are Australian, but we have quite um, a few also that are in America and a couple in the UK. And most of them do ship worldwide as well. So, um, yeah, that's something that I'm quite proud of because I don't know anybody that's as strict as I am in terms of what I choose to put on and in my body. So... I hope that you all appreciate and enjoy the post as well if you're looking for anything beauty related. So, yeah. Yeah, that that was a a big task, that post, because it's uh, a lot of, even though you've got a lot of firsthand experience with these brands, there's so much research that goes in behind the scenes as well. And it's going to be an ever-evolving article. Yes. Um, so, as we come across new brands or if some brands on the list change direction uh we're very diligent in changing and updating and updating the post like we do with our you know vegan blogs and our uh ethical fashion and sustainable brands so where most of our roundups we kind of visit probably once every three to six months just to give it a refresh and an update and and see what we can do to to make it current yes The other thing that um, we did last week was do a recipe that was stuffed peppers. And that's something that's, it's close to my heart because I've kind of grown up eating recipes like this one. Um, It's called punya na paprika. So posna, which means um, it's kind of like a religious time. And what language is that? Well, that's Croatian, Serbian, Bosnian, like they're all very similar. So you can... You can understand it if you speak any of those languages. So, yeah, so they 
make around Christmas time or any other religious periods, they make recipes without using meat. Uh, I don't think that they use dairy either. So, um, and eggs maybe, but a lot of the recipes that I've come across that I've watched actually are pretty much vegan friendly. So that's a great recipe, especially if you are religious and you do fast and don't eat meat. And, you know, even if if you're not fasting and you're not religious and you just want to have a delicious vegan recipe, um, give that one a go, especially now over the holidays. Um, It can be quite a nice meal to, to pop on the table because it comes with some potato wedges in there as well. So, yeah. Cool. And I... We call you, was it this morning that you decided to take social media off your phone or was that yesterday? Yesterday. Well, I decided I was going to do it from the 1st of December, which is tomorrow, but I did it two days early just because I kind of do sometimes things spare of the moment. So I just deleted them off my phone. We haven't talked about it. Why, Why did you do that? Um, well, you know, we watched the social dilemma. On Netflix, like 99% of people that probably have Netflix on their televisions or computers. And it's been kind of sitting in the back of my mind for a while. And then we've watched Black Mirror, which is pretty confronting as well. And then we watched one of our favorite YouTubers talk about he he removed social media. Oh, Nathaniel Drew. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll link that up in the show notes as well to yes. that video. So he shared what happened when he removed social media off his phone and or just didn't go on social media for 30 days and how intertwined social media is into most of our lives. Yep. And I just, like I spend much more time on it than I'd like to admit. And half the time I just catch myself like I go to it for no particular reason just out of pure boredom or if I want to check something but it's not necessary for me to check it in that instance so I just wanted to challenge myself and I'm a bit old school in the fact that I actually a lot of technology that's with you know AI and just the way that the world is progressing I kind of I'm not a fan Mm -hmm. Um, I I like to be a bit old-fashioned in that way and just stick to what was working and not have to reinvent things to make things better in quotation marks because it might not make it better. And watching, uh, you know, shows like Black Mirror, that kind of is the the scary and really confronting future of, of our planet. So I do tend to, to think about that quite a lot and what power that has over me. So I just wanted to to test my well. It's interesting addiction. how yeah, it's interesting how this is these last couple shows and documentaries have sort of tipped you over the edge because it's something that we've discussed for many many years. Mm. Uh, in fact, we have a previous podcast episode talking about our love hate relationship with social media, and uh, which you know what actually tipped me over the edge. What was that? What we watched yesterday with the Amazon. Oh, okay. So that's what it was. Okay, because I was looking at. Every all the pies that he's trying to get his hands. Okay, into. so just to explain to the listener, so we found ourselves on the. It sounds like we watch a lot of stuff actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we found ourselves on the couch yesterday after going to the beach. Yeah, we we stumbled into a documentary about. Well, I think it was called, called the the rise and the reign of Jeff Bezos, a story about Amazon or something along those lines. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just basically a, a documentary interviewing former executives of Amazon and just talking about their growth and how they control so many verticals across so many different businesses. But and it wasn't just former. They oh, and current as well. Yeah. current yeah. people as well that are quite high up in the company. That's right. But it was just looking at the sheer dominance of Amazon and, you know, taking capitalism all the way up to its purest sense and, and what that means for consumer behaviour and uh, yeah, as I was looking over at Marsha, her blood was just boiling with every example and every new business that they started and, and how that is capturing so much of our data. And I think, yeah, it doesn't surprise me in, upon reflection that that was a tipping point for you to be like, stuff this, I'm going to take a bit of action for myself. I think it's just the surveillance part that kind of, for me, was like, where's the privacy, you know, where they create this little 
device. Is it Alexa? Yeah. Yeah. And then they listen into your conversations without you even knowing. And they don't disclose that anymore. And apparently they were meant to have told people. But that was, I don't know how long ago that was. Yeah. And I mean, this is what, Amazon is just one example of many tech companies who have yeah. these AI devices. That breach, b- breach privacy. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, I think it's just the disclosure around it is a bit grey, uh, which, you know, we don't necessarily know the full extent of the data that they're collecting. I mean, at the same time, when you buy a piece of tech, do you honestly read the terms and conditions and no. the privacy policies? No. Nobody does. So I think that a lot of the time they can get away with that because they know that in the fine print, no one's going to be searching for anything like that. And if they did, then it would be a different story. Anyways, we digress. (laughs) So that's why I chose to delete social media. So is this something you're just experimenting with or is... Look, I'm already finding barriers. I need to work out, you know, like I've been, I've gone on Instagram today on my computer twice. Yep. For like two minutes. Is that interesting? I would have spent much more time on it if it was still on my phone. So what's different? What? Why is it such it's a short enticing. session? Oh, okay. It's not enticing and I've got other things to do on my computer. That's not, you know, like for me, social media is a phone thing, work and research and anything else like that is a computer thing. So when you tie that pleasure thing onto your productive machine it changes how you feel about it and how you use the technology yeah yeah that's that's really interesting but it's they don't make it easy to use on desktop yeah so and it's not as obvious as it is on the phone and you can't reshare like someone's made one of my recipes i wanted to reshare that yep in stories i can't i haven't worked out how to do that i don't even know if you can do it from a a computer so but you know i've just got to let it go yeah okay it well, is what it is well we'll see we'll see how you go with this experiment and maybe we can check in and do a proper episode about this later and yeah. an update but on it's a massive topic i mean yeah. we've already talked about it for longer <laughs> yeah. than we probably should have um but look um, there is one more thing i wanted to bring up well we didn't talk about my black forest trifle cups Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Explain that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I also made a delicious recipe um, last week. So, um, we have already created a trifle that was more of a classic version about a month or six weeks-ish ago. And so, I had so many ideas pop into my mind about creating it in many different flavors and Black Forest came to mind and I thought that it would be a fabulous idea. (laughs) So I made that for when we had some guests over and they really enjoyed it. And so I made it again, shot that one. It's just, it's delicious. Yeah, so that's another exciting recipe and it's a really good one for the holidays because it kind of has that Christmassy look. Yes. Which I wasn't actually thinking about until I put it together and I thought they looked really cute. So give that one a try as well. But yes. Michael, now you may continue. Yeah, no, that's all right. Um, so, yeah, so another uh, another thing that's been happening in the background here, which has been ke- keeping us very busy, is we're finally going to be starting a YouTube channel. Finally. <laughs> and um, it's going to be a cooking show. Yeah. So we're capturing Marsha, you know, creating her beautiful uh, plant-based recipes on video and uh, I must say, after our first video that we've recorded, I'm so proud of you. Thank uh, you. To get in front of the camera and and to do your thing. And um, I'm really excited to see where it goes. So by the time we actually publish this episode, would we'll probably be, be the same week that we'll be launching the YouTube channel with a couple of videos there. So it'll like once this once this drops, it'll be a couple of days after. Yep. So just keep an eye out for it if you listen to it on the day of the release. Yes. So yeah, so that's incredibly exciting for us and that's been something, you know, that, that's been on our list for years, what it feels like for Literally, years. Well, it has been on our yes. list for years. We just haven't, we've been discouraged, we've felt overwhelmed, which kind of ties now into this whole topic, which is, which is interesting of you feel like you want to add more to your plate. 
because you're eager and you want to spread across different channels and be more useful to more people and YouTube is such a powerful platform in itself. So it's kind of always been a no-brainer, but just the way that we would go about it has been this really big holdup for us. And considering that we have standards and we're a bit of perfectionists, so it's kind of like all of those things We've delayed it many, many times, especially this year. I think we've we've been at the point of going to record and we've pulled the plug on it twice. Yeah, I know. And we've recorded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've started recording yeah, and we've then we've edited. pulled the plug. Yeah. We've got videos. Yeah. Like there's videos that we're not planning to release because we just weren't happy with the concept or the direction of it um, and how it ties into the idea of living less stuff and, and more compassion, however we want to communicate that through video whether both of us were going to be on there or yourself or like those are so many considerations but but you're right it ties into what we're talking about today because um you know content creation is an absolute grind and and even if you're not in this industry um i think if you're in any profession you're doing any type of creative work there's going to be a lot in this conversation that you could perhaps relate to or draw some inspiration from or know that you're not alone in that journey. And before we get right into the conversation, I just wanted to reference a couple previous podcast episodes that I would recommend you listen to before this one because it kind of builds upon the idea. But uh, back in episode 37, we had a long conversation about our journey into full-time blogging. And we talked about the ups and downs and all the different projects that we had started before The Minimalist Vegan. And then a bit later, I think around episode 45, we talked about the idea of does, does being an entrepreneur necessarily make you happy? And then we talked about this idea of running a smaller business, not necessarily growing at all costs like Amazon, <laughs> yeah. um, but creating a business that you're not a slave to, essentially. Um, so we touched on a lot of these ideas in both those episodes, but today we really want to, and the, you, you know, a lot of the inspiration is for this episode has come from our listeners and they want to know a little bit more about, um, like the ups and downs of our day to day and what it's like to be content creators. Not like so, big picture stuff, but like the reality. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, and, and so that's what we're going to use this conversation is to, uh, we've got a, a list of questions here that we're going to run through and just sort of give you some insights into what that looks like. And so, to kick things off, there's no order or super strong structure to these questions. I just wanted to sort of throw out a question and have us discuss it and then move on to the next one. Um, but I just wanted to start off with this concept of hours and how much we work. Uh, because in all the careers I've had, I've either been casual, part-time, full-time, and depending on how much you work and how much you want to advance in your career, it has a, a huge impact on the outcome and the results that you have in that particular field. But for us, where everything is dependent on what we do and our decisions, our creativity and our output, it's we found that it was quite, well, I found at least it's quite liberating to track our time. Um, otherwise, you don't have a very clear understanding of just how much you're doing and when to create a barrier in the work that you're doing as well, um, because you can either work yourself into the ground or you might not do enough. And I think a lot of people can resonate with this idea of never feeling like you're accomplishing enough. So I track time just to get a good understanding of the impact that we're having on our business. So I might hand it over to you, but like in, in you know, since we've started working on the minimalist vegan on a full-time basis how is this workload compared to maybe previous jobs that you've had and and like how much do you work well unlike michael i really struggle to track my time i find it difficult to know when i'm i mean i did it was it last week or the week before because you begged me to do it so i did it i haven't even added it up to know how many hours i did do in the end but I mean, it keeps you accountable and it keeps you mentally switched on when you're meant to be and then switched off when you're not meant to be so that you can do blocks and concentrated patches of work 
rather than procrastinating, let's say, on social media like we talked about before or just getting distracted and because we work from home doing some chores or doing the laundry or doing some washing because that can easily happen to me as well. Not as much anymore, but it used to happen much more often. So I can't say how many hours I do, but I can feel Mm. when I'm making an impact. And at the moment, I feel like I'm working full time because of the output that we're putting out and the quality and how much testing we do. Um, So it's just this whole quality over quantity. But I do feel like I'm also putting in more hours because I'm more enthusiastic about certain things. And, you know, once you start building that momentum, you're almost really excited to get back into it. Whereas sometimes where it's like pulling teeth to get something over the line. I mean, there are some, you know, which is what we'll talk about it later around health, but there has been some weeks where I've only managed to do like five to 10 hours and that would not be uh, abnormal for me sometimes. So now I feel like I'm starting to feel better and um, able to put in more work. But I think a lot of that also comes down to your motivation and your excitement around the work that you do. Like you're thinking about it and you can't wait. Like I couldn't wait to get up this morning to test making the recipe that's going live tomorrow. Yeah. Which will be yesterday for when you listen to this. So, you know, it's just things like that. Yeah. You you make a really interesting point about how you feel Mm. uh, in terms of the impact that you're making. Yeah. And... It's interesting because I've got a more analytical mind, so I need to quantify that my feelings. Yeah, I need to see evidence of that. Yeah, um, the for, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Um, to to get that feeling, but I think you're now getting to a point of experience where you know, you know where you had a good day or good week or an off day or off week. For me, it's not though about the hours; it's about the output. Yeah, and how comfortable and confident I am is what I have put out into this world this week so even if I put in 20 hours and I manage to get up three bits of new content obviously with your help but that's a good week for us yeah and And like not struggle through it but really be hyped up about it and really enjoy it I think you've you've nailed a really good point and I think that's probably the first thing that first maybe tip that would like to highlight is that... Are you going to put a ding there? <laughs> yeah, I should. <laughs> no, but, please don't. <laughs> but um, yeah, when it comes to anything that you're trying to achieve, that you've got a goal around in the workplace or personal, um, it's easy to get, and particularly in workplaces and conventional workplaces, it's easy to get caught up in how many hours you're working right oh i work 20 hours 70 hours a week whatever it is but as a content creator that actually doesn't really matter no you know you guys listening to this now don't care how many hours we work you're just like have you published a podcast when you said you're going to publish a podcast yeah that's ultimately what it comes down to that's right yeah so i love the fact that you've got to a point now where it's like well forget time it's about what that output is mm. and then and then on top of that is about how do we make that output as enjoyable as possible yeah and um so i think that's a really valid point and it's a very yeah it's an outcome based approach mm. as opposed to rather just, than a numbers yeah like you know i think you worked what 30 38 hours last week yep and that's awesome well, but like those numbers don't really mean anything if if we didn't do what we achieved. And we got a lot done last week. Yeah. And um, just just in case you're wondering, like I average probably about 30 hours a week mm. and I measure within that time how much time I'm allocating towards creating content because creating content is the most important thing versus admin, like responding to emails or fooling around on a website or whatever. So... That works out to be about 70% of that 30 hours. So I just like to know that to keep myself accountable. And I like punching in in terms of time because it keeps me focused. We should put one of those things next to the door, the old-fashioned ones with the cardboard piece of paper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that's what it's. That's yeah. where the term comes from. You punch in punch because in, yeah. it punches true. a hole in your... <laughs> that's so true, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there you go. We've got 
two two content creators with two different approaches to time and this concept of time and you know we've both had to work this out based on our personalities and um it seems to be working okay so far so i just wanted to loop back to something you said before about being excited to wake up and you feel like we have a lot of momentum and when you build this momentum and you're creating a lot of content and you're publishing a lot of content you feel good yeah. and you want to do more of that yeah but it's not always that way no right and the reality most is most of the time it's not most of the time <laughs> it's not you come across a lot of roadblocks in this journey of trying to remain consistent so the next topic i want to discuss is what what do you do if you lose when you lose that momentum and it starts to impact your consistency of output. And and I should also say, like, when we say life of a content creator, like, we, we mean this in the sense of sort of a modern influencer. So people um, who, whether they do it on a, uh, a part-time basis, casual basis, or whether this is they're making a living from it, but people who, where their job is to post on social medias, to post on a blog, to post on a podcast, to you know, start a YouTube channel where they're providing information and experiences to an audience uh, through the internet. That's how we define a content creator in this context. So a lot of the success is dependent on publishing consistently. So when you get derailed or when you come up against a roadblock, you lose that momentum. And for many people, that could mean stopping altogether, right? And not being able to jump back in and continue creating. So, when you've experienced this loss of momentum, could you share just how you've worked through that to try and re- remain relatively consistent? Because we've been doing this for, it's approaching six years at this point. So, you touched on the topic of like getting to a point where you stop and then never start again. That almost happened to the podcast. That's right. So, we stopped it and because we didn't know what to do with it anymore because of everything that was going on in the world and how we actually wanted to position ourselves. And because we went more towards recipes, we kind of had a bit of a roadblock there. So it's definitely, even just by you listening right now, you know, this could have actually ended and never started again. Yeah. And it, and, and when you start, when we started the podcast, when you start any of these projects, you, it's inconceivable that you would ever feel that way. Where it's like, oh, I don't think I'm going to come back to this. Because when you start, you have all the enthusiasm in the world. And when you lose this momentum, it's jiring. It's like, whoa, you miss one deadline and then the next and then... And then it just spirals. If you miss a few deadlines, it's like I you throw up your hands. Like for me, I know if I miss like one deadline, I stress about it. And then if I miss another deadline in 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 a row, it still stresses me out. But I start to slowly remove myself like detach from that outcome and what people will think because I care a lot about that if you know me and listen to this podcast. So, but back onto what you were asking me in terms of, you know, what do you do when you lose the momentum and not really sure how to go about it? I think the main thing is to take a break and really disconnect yourself completely. And that can be really difficult but you're good at that. Like you sometimes pull me up and you go, just just leave it. Let's just take a time out. Let's recoup. Let's recharge. And then we can assess from there. Just that mental, even like when you run your own business, it's difficult to completely switch off. Yes. So it's kind of important to try and find ways and know how you can do that successfully. Yeah. Not like... I don't want to swear in the podcast, but not half asked about it, but like doing it properly. Yeah, because I think you, you know, for, for, for content creation specifically, it's an energy thing. Like you need high energy to be able to think of ideas, to go deep into topics, to test, 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 like... To get gra- excited, yeah. And to feel get like excited, get up every That's day. That's right. You know? Yeah. Um. So it requires a lot of energy, and sometimes when you recognize that it's it's a real, like it's of course it's going to be a struggle, but sometimes you know when it's just not working, you need to take a step back. But I think where 
yeah, you and I are quite different, although you're much better at it now, is actually knowing what that thing is to do to disconnect. Yeah. Like for me, I know exactly what the go-to moves are. Whether that's taking the dog Chewy out for a walk, that's just standing outside on the deck and taking in some air, that's watching one of many TV shows that I really enjoy. It's exercising, it's getting out, like getting out to a cafe or just taking in energy from other people. Um, That recharges the batteries. Having a nap, that helps too. Like listening to good music, like... I've got a I've got a playlist called Ego Playlist on my Spotify, which is just this hardcore hip hop stuff that just gets me going again. Like there's all these things that I go to to recharge if I start to feel that that tension that like, oh, this is not working and I'm really frustrated. And I find that once I type into one of those tools and I come back, I'm far more refreshed and better energy ready to create again. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend at least coming up with a list of things that you not only just like, don't just do things you know you should do, but do things that you really enjoy that you can immerse yourself in that can take you away from that creation. And, you know, this can be applied to just the workplace as well. When you're fed up and you've just had a bit of a situation and you just need to take a step back, but you need, to, you need to know what those five things that you can do in that moment to get your mood and energy right. Yeah, good ideas. Um, I think for us, when we do the recharge, it's important then that we follow it up with a meeting. Oh, yes. We sit down and we have ideas and brainstorm and just get ourselves hyped up and excited about things that we might have been thinking about doing and planning for the future and something that'll build momentum yeah so do you find that our meetings sort of get you going again if you've okay let's say that you know again because we're talking about situations where you lose that momentum uh that roadblock yeah we quite often will have a meeting yeah and it's not something that we did so much before uh in the way that we do it now Mm. um because i think we're just like oh yeah we'll just put everything in like Wonderlist, our task manager, and we'll just, oh, we know what we need to do, like, and we'll just sort of do it. But now, like, we're making a more concerted effort to come together. Mm. And uh, actually, that's the running theme in our relationship is that our whole goal is to try and do as much as possible from a content creation side together. (laughs) No, but it's it's true, right? And And it hasn't always been that way. There's always been sort of a division of labor, yeah. Um. In the way that we approach, I mean, it still is a little bit. Yes. But more, more than ever before, we're actually working. You know, like for example, Michael supports me now with the recipes, whereas before I used to be, you know, I used to mainly do them by myself, and he supports me with photography, especially when I kind of come into conflict with, you know, something's not working or. The light's not right and, you know, I have a little bit of a hissy fit. <laughs> yeah. Um, even just for moral support, like it really helps to have you there for that. Yeah. So, and for me to be able to focus and get that done and be happy with the outcome, I find having you there, just your presence is really important. Yeah. So. Whilst before I was like, well, that's almost like we're doubling up on time. Yeah. You know, I could be doing something else whilst you're doing that. Yeah. But no, I've seen the value now. I've seen mm. that. Um, I mean, you can get behind the camera too. Yeah, <laughs> but sometimes. I actually really enjoy the process. It's yeah. like the problem solving and, oh, let's get that shot. Let's try that. Yeah. And um, even in the kitchen when you're cooking, like I'm just there taking notes and that like, I didn't, like something so small. Mm. Like if you're in the kitchen trying to create a recipe and you've created notes beforehand, it's actually, you lose so much time looking down at your book. Yeah. And then getting back to cooking, looking down, getting back. Yeah. So to it take that away, so it, it just, it's, it's yeah. much faster as well. And not even that, I think it's just good to get a different point of view. Like there's been many recipes that if you weren't there, they wouldn't be what they are now. Yeah. You know, you've thrown some wild ideas out there and most of the time I say, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> But every now and then they're valuable and they stick and it's not something that I would normally think of. So, you know, it definitely helps to have another person there 
when you can. Yes. Yeah. And that for us is like, that's the 80%. That's the content creation for us. Yes. So that's the part that's really important. And if we both enjoy doing it together, well, I don't, you know, there's, I think that it's a valuable way to create content. For sure. And, you know, now that we're starting this YouTube channel, you know, you're being the talent in front of the camera uh, and, and the chef. And I just realized because you've said this now, on the podcast, it needs to happen. Oh yeah, it will. It <laughs> There's will. There's no way out now. It will. But in in the editing part, you're very much involved, and I intentionally bring you in, mm. particularly in the early stages, so we get on the same page. But yeah. it also, I feel like having two people attack a project, this makes it all the better. Oh yeah. Right. You've got different perspectives. Yeah. Um, and yes, it causes a lot of conflict at times, mm. but it's kind of worth it because we challenge each other and then the, the deliverable is much better. So I suppose the key takeaway here for, you know, on top of having your go-to tools that you can use to um, restore your energy and get motivated again is to also build some sort of team support in your content creation practice and if you're not fortunate to be in business with a family member or your spouse or or a close friend there are many ways to connect with other people who are in a similar field to you to hold each other accountable and to have meetings and to talk through uh, situations you may be struggling with um, as a way to keep that momentum going fighting for that momentum yeah as you try to create content more consistently exactly cool. all right Let's switch gears for a bit and, and, and tackle something else. But um, I know a lot of people probably wondering, like, do you ever run out of, do we ever run out of ideas for content? And like, what's your take on that? So I guess it depends what for, but most of the time we don't, especially now that we're focusing on recipes. I mean, can it be any easier mm. for content in terms of ideas? Because it's honestly... I, ha- I, at any given time, I have probably about a hundred recipes that I could potentially create. Yeah. And the thing is, when Marsha says that, she literally means there is a spreadsheet, a, a list of over a hundred recipes. The, the thing is... Or I have lists in multiple different places because ideas come to me. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, like, the list was too overwhelming. Mm. So now it's like... In many ways, it's too planned. Mm. Like we use that as like plan Z, but most of the time it's we're picking content for food off sort of a feel or what like you're most excited about. And also what time of year it is. So what like we have access to in terms of produce, which makes it difficult, I guess, because most of our audience is in the US and, you know, Europe. We do mm-hmm. have a lot of Aussies that tune in as well, but it's opposite seasons. So this is where I sometimes feel that what I'm creating might not be a seasonal thing for other people. That's my only hang up in terms of the recipes that I publish. On that note, and I've got another question to follow up, but just before we get into that, just from a like the lifestyle content, which I would put into the bracket of sort of articles and podcasts, Generally, I'm the one who's generating a lot of those ideas, whether it's through our audience or just some things that we've discussed or or whatnot. So there's always a master list of those ideas as well. Um, but the same approach happens there. We sort of go by what we... When we're ready to actually create a podcast or an article, it's about what are we most drawn to in that particular moment and yeah. then tackle that project. Yeah. Um, but it, it raises probably the biggest challenge of all. And this this is about, and, and th- I'm just going to ask an open-ended question to both of us here, but how do we find a balance between addressing demand? So like what people are searching for, what they want to see um, in this bubble of minimalism and veganism and creating something that we want to see in the world, okay? Because what happens with a lot of content creators when they first start is that they just sort of start to create things that they like. You know what I mean? Share their experiences Mm. and that's pretty good. But at some point you realize that it becomes less about you and then more about the audience. And then you start to see that perhaps more results are coming from meeting the demand of what people want to see, right? So 
you you sort of get you can sort of get lost into this trap of like endless optimization and in the blogging world um there's something called seo search engine optimization and this is basically where uh people are keen uh, are writing in keywords into google like vegan stuffed peppers for example and there's lots of tools which will tell you exactly how many people are typing that into google every single month from around the world and you can start to see the demand for particular search terms or recipes or articles or whatever it is you're looking for. And this doesn't just apply to blogging, but it applies to YouTube is a search engine. Amazon, if you're selling products on Amazon, is a search engine as well. Pinterest is a search engine. So you can start to create all your content based around demand and validating that before you start. And, um, you know, if you're very practical and pragmatic and you want to get the best results, this can be a sound approach. Um, and this is something that we ha we do, we do to this day. We try to create things that are in demand because, you know, we, as much as we've created content we're really passionate about, if nobody really cares about it, it doesn't resonate as much. It doesn't have the same impact. Um, so we've been on both sides of the spectrum. We've created content where it's just purely for us and that we want to see in the world. And we've created content that is just completely optimized mm. for what people want to see and what they're searching for. So, and it's created problems. Oh, it's yeah. created a lot of challenges for us um, on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah, because so, we don't want to just be a creating content for other people that doesn't feed our soul, that doesn't make us get excited about what we're creating. So that's been my biggest challenge in that sense. It's like, well, I could create recipes that there's demand for, but if I'm not excited about them, like it's just not going to, like why do that? Yeah. So I think there's been recipes even in the past that we've made that, you know, have become some of our most popular or like people mention to us all the time like the cabbage pasta for instance hmm. i think that's probably one of the recipes that we get feedback on all the time yet that was definitely not an seo choice that was like a it's a simple dish i've grown up eating this it's delicious people need to know about it yes it's literally three ingredients yes and that's kind of in the back of my head it's things like that that I actually get excited about the most. So, which I agree with. And I think, why why do you think we've got trapped into creating demand-driven content? What's, what's behind the motivation there? Well, obviously money. Yeah. But also traffic, which equals money. But um, wanting to put out what people want or people are searching for. Yep. So, and, and it's like that whole people pleaser thing, but if things aren't resonating with you and if you want to be a bit more original, you know, like you can't just create. But let's stay on this topic because I think that's where a lot of content creators get stuck, right? And we're not saying that this is right or wrong. No. We're just sharing our experience with, um, because when you start optimizing for demand, then it means that you become very outcome or results focused, yes. right? Because you're trying to create certainty in a creative process. Yeah, so, so if you put something out there and it doesn't get the response that you expected because you did all the research prior to that yeah. to make sure to a degree that it will do well and yeah. it doesn't, then it's like you're caught up on that even more than if you just followed your heart and made something that, you yeah, but, but the whole idea is that you're chasing results, Yeah, right? It's like, oh, okay, cool. I need to quit my day job and do this full time or I want to make money or I want to be popular like, um, or I want credibility. All these things that we all tell ourselves that we want when we start this journey can feed into this idea of, okay, well, I don't want to waste any time. Yeah. I, I, whatever I create, I want it to have purpose. I want a return on investment. You know, it can become very businessy. And I and think for a lot of people, because they have a mortgage to pay, they have children, you know, they've got a lot of large responsibilities. So, of course, those things are going to, and you might have pressure from your family, friends, spouse, 
lots of other people to make sure that you give yourself the best possible chance at success. Yeah. In a short amount of time if possible, you know? So it's like you've got all of these underlying uh, pressures to make it happen. So of course you're going to go with the thing that makes the most sense. And and hence why you guess why this demand driven idea becomes very appealing. But then, as you said, that can start impacting the sustainability of your content creation practice because if you start this purely creating with this very methodical approach of reverse engineering a marketplace, then it can sort of take away that magic and that interest and curiosity you had about the topic when you first started, Mm. right? You become like a slave to this as opposed to... What were you going to say? Uh, but I must add, though, that some people are okay with that. Like everyone's different. There are some people that are okay with doing things the methodical way to try and get the best results possible because, as I said, they have a lot riding on making it work. And for them, getting that paycheck, that's what keeps them motivated and the momentum going for them. Yes. That's the sustainability piece to them. Yes. For it. That's true. So... It just depends, but for us, like we didn't sign up for those reasons. Well, I, but I also would push back on that because I would be like, even this podcast now, like we have created a, a, a process where it is demand driven so that the audience is given us topics to talk yeah, about, right? But we talk about them if we want to talk about them. That's true. <laughs> and this is the point that I want to make is that like, Whatever platform you're on, I actually think it's smart to think about yeah, of what's, course it is. what's in demand. And, uh, you know, even a lot of the recipes we published this year have come mm. from a place of understanding that there is an opportunity for this recipe. Let's not beat around the bush. No, but, no. but I think what the difference is, is that when you decide on a topic that has interest, then it's about the creative process from there and how you personalize it, how you create motivation and passion around that particular piece of content, whatever it is that you're creating. So I think it's a bit of the two. The thing is when you turn, when you go too far down the optimization routes, the the risk is uh, you become almost like, you start thinking like a a robot, right? Because you can, you risk, like, okay, so Google and YouTube are the biggest search engines in the world. And they are machines, right? So you can start trying to create content for the machine and you stop creating content for the audience. Whilst Google and YouTube are actually just trying to sh- serve human beings. And around in circles you go. So for us, I think it's important to have an understanding of what's in demand, but then still follow your heart and your instincts to create stuff that you're excited about to, to find that balance between the two. But I think the, the point that I wanted to make about this desire to chase interest comes down to expecting results and wanting results quickly. And I think this is by far the hardest thing that we've had to deal with is challenging ourselves to let go of expectations of traffic likes messages emails comments all the metrics money all the metrics that you use to measure success in inverted commas of being an online content creator um because you're just constantly chasing the result and instead detach yourself from that because ultimately as much as we think that we can create certainty and control the results that we achieve by the content that we create and the impact that we're seeking to make, we can't, right? And and I think you and I have discussed at length, we're at a point where we realize that it, it's a lottery out there, you know? Like every time you, you publish something, it's like you're submitting a lottery ticket and it's really out of your control from there. But we're more, far more interested to look at people and examples of people who have been creating content for like over 10 years straight or 20 years straight and have been prolific in being able to show up for their audience. That to me is something worth working towards and that is controllable. 
um, and is all about, you know, enjoying the work that you do. Do you have some examples of, uh, or, or do you want to share your insight on, you know, this idea of at- detaching yourself from the outcome and how impossible that seems at times and how we've been influenced to think a little bit differently about how we measure success for the work that we do? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I'm still trying to work out. I mean, I know that I have friends that are in the content space and that can tell you which recipes will do better and which recipes won't do so well. So they try and focus on the ones that will do better. I actually don't go down to that much detail because I don't want my content to be purely driven by that. Again, I want it to be something that comes from the heart and something that I'm excited to wake up to every single day rather than, I mean, it's more of a selfish approach. But again, I'm in this for the long haul and something that I can look back at my life and go, I enjoyed it. Not I stressed out about it and I was putting out content for others. I also create things for myself. Like I was telling you earlier when we were recipe testing this morning, I wouldn't be making half of these things, more than half of these things, if we didn't have a recipe website. Absolutely. This is is the part where I feel a lot of people miss the memo. Like you create content and if you're doing it well, it should be changing your life. Mm. And And it is. I'm eating... Like the that most recipe, amazing food. <laughs> yeah, like when you hit that recipe this morning, I'm like, yep, that's gone into our rotation. Yeah. And even the last podcast episode we recorded about slow purchasing and fast purchasing, how yeah. many times have we referenced that in our communication together since that mm. episode? Mm. It's now become a common dialogue in our household. Yeah. Because we're forced to critically think about our own behavior. Mm. And this is the gold. This is the best part of content creation when you realize how much it changes your life as a result of doing the work. Yeah. So, yeah, I I would rather be focused. But then, you know, at times I would expect something to do well Mm. and it doesn't do well. And you go, but I don't understand. When you put something out that you're like, oh, yeah, it might sort of people might gloss over and not pay attention and it blows up. So you know, you honestly, especially with algorithms and social media and just everything that's completely out of your control, I think the most important thing is for you to be happy with what you're, what you're putting out there, what you're creating. Yeah, I like to call it, well, not me, I didn't make up this term, but I like to think of it as your body of work. Yeah. Like that's the thing that you can hang your hat on, your portfolio, because there's a lot of gurus out there trying to sell you on getting very quick and fast results with certainty if you follow this step-by-step blueprint to success. So right? be a robot, in yeah. other words. Yeah, he, he, you know, here's five ways to get to a thousand YouTube, your first a thousand YouTube subscribers within 14 days or some, like some sort of headline like that, right? Well, here's how to get 50,000 Instagram followers in 30 days. Yeah, like, you so buy them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so there's all these promises out there because we're incredibly impatient um, and we want the results tomorrow. And, but we've been turning to teachers like Seth Godin, um, who's been incredibly influential, a, a marketing genius in in my life but you know his latest book is called the practice and he's basically addressing this idea this this challenge most creators face of putting all of their energy and their identity in the results in the metrics instead of just showing up for your audience consistently and uh and just publishing consistently and this is coming from a guy who's blogged every day for like uh, like I don't know, 12 years straight. He's got like 7,500 blog posts, something insane, like 18 books. Um, so he's really living this idea of the practice of just being prolific. Even this this um, old Serbian grandma that you've been watching on YouTube, um, you came downstairs the other day and you told me that she basically uploads a new video every, every single, single day. day, like since what, 2013? I don't know how long, but for many years now. Like she's got over 2,000 videos. Like what? Like 
that like the, that's the type of stuff. That's what I aspire to be when I grow up. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I we're not be- gonna publish every <laughs> single day. No, no. But I mean, because you understand just how hard it is to publish, but to just just you keep just show up, just to go so consistently and be that professional. That's something to be. That's something to admire because to do that, you you have to have good health. You have to have good energy. You have to be passionate. You like. There's but so it, many but things. But it's not for everyone. I must say that, like, for me, that's I don't aspire to that. I admire it, but I don't aspire to that. Sure. I don't want to be creating so much. Yeah, no, that, I, that's a lot of content. I think, I mean, the, the whole cliche of saying work-life balance, but for me, like, if you're putting out, and Seth was has or still does post every single day. He does. So it's like, that's not life to me. Like, I want to be able to take a day off. And not have to think. Well, about I think he posts in advance, though. Piece of content. So he's ahead of schedule. So he's. Not, I don't think he's a slave to. Yeah. The thing, and some I mean, posts are like fifty words. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Like I get it. Yeah. It's fine. I and I respect that, and I think it's admirable. But for me, I think that finding something that works, it, like it's different for everybody. Yes. You know. So just that's, whatever that's you think what that you can do say. consistently without. Um, that's sustainable. That without getting burnt out or or having to get stuck and. <laughs> on that note, um, burnt burnout health, yes. right? Um, we have a lot of experience <laughs> in that area. So where where's what's the question I want to ask you? Um, the okay. question is: How do you ma- how do you how do you manage your health as a content creator, right? Because in a conventional workplace, I was used to having X amount of sick leave per year and paid annual leave. Uh, you know, very fortunate in jobs that I've had to have those benefits and strategically take leave as you needed to recharge, right? Or when you get unwell. When you are a content creator and everything is dependent on what you're putting out there, it's it's whoa this situation can escalate very quickly so um you know we've had some struggles around the health department there and there wasn't sick leave to rely on so do you want to talk a little bit about well you just take sick leave (laughs) (laughs) i mean look i think i feel like i've come out the other end of i feel like it's been not a battle but like a struggle for a long time and i still do have like just because of the way that I am. I still do have days where I'm just too exhausted to do anything. But then I know that I need to take that time out. So I'm learning to listen more to myself and not be frustrated and push through because I know that if I do push through, I can end up being in bed for a week. I think that also focusing more on creating healthy habits to kickstart my day. Um, I've implemented a few things in my morning routine that have I feel like have actually really helped, which have, you know, I sleep now, I sleep better, I take better quality naps, like I switch off much easier. There's a lot of things, you know, like I've started meditating and doing breath work in the mornings and I have my lemon water. So I've got like a little routine and I normally try and do these things before you get up and when you take him out, take the dog out for a walk. So I think that that's definitely made a massive change. And I don't know, I think I'm just listening to myself more and knowing when to exert more energy and knowing when to pull back. Yeah, you you know where to pick your spots now. Yeah. Yeah. And Overall, like I just feel more grateful and happier. Like I'm just, I appreciate things more. I don't get caught up on the small things as much. Like there's just, you know, like you you grow as a person. And so you find that it's just more fun and more enjoyable to be alive. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, if someone's listening to this and, you know, they've tried starting something to create content and they've come up against uh like they've physically haven't been able to continue or struggling to bounce back do you what would you say to that person who's maybe you know um you know because i know when you're unwell there was a huge sense of guilt that you had as well yeah like how did that feel at the time and what have you learned from that 
Well, I think at the time, me being the people pleaser, I found it really difficult to completely disconnect on a day-to-day basis. And I think once I actually just threw the towel in and realised if I don't look after me, Mm. this isn't going to work. Like I might as well go out and get a a job because I just, I won't be able to keep doing this on a long-term basis. So I've got to change the way that I approach this so that I can keep doing this because I don't want to go out and get a job. I want to be able to do this for a long time. And that's always been the case. Like I've always been the type of person that would prefer to work for myself and call my own shots than do it for work for someone else. So just reminding myself every now and then is kind of healthy to remind myself of how good we have it. Um, and to have a bit of a reality check, especially when you don't really communicate with too many other people that, you know, do the proper nine to five type of work, you can quickly forget what it, what it feels like. Cause we've both been there before to ca- have that type of situation. Yeah. So, I mean, again, and- this is first world problems, but it's kind of our reality. And if we can do everything that we can to make this work and to have the dream job that we've always wanted. I mean, this is a pretty sweet gig, so we shouldn't take it for granted. And I think even just that appreciation can go a long way with changing your mindset and and keeping you on the right path. I think that's beautifully said. Uh, That gratitude piece is huge. Yeah, I think that coming from a place of gratitude and appreciation for the opportunity um, that we have can go a long way for that health. And so look, it's not, not only Marsha, but I, I myself was, I was knocked down with some um, allergies here in Tasmania. So I was out for a little bit and... Um, Which kind of presented itself almost like a chest yeah, chest infection. That's right. It wasn't. And um, yeah, just even like some physical injuries. And like this year has been really eye-opening about, you know, it's actually like taking care of your body is like, I know... We, everyone talks about it all the time but it really is a necessity particularly as a content creator like it, you almost got to think of yourself as like an athlete in this field to be able to show up consistently and you need to look after your your body your mental and your physical health to be able to do that work so um, we both went through a huge shift together to build these routines and to ensure that we were feeling better and taking time off was or recharging was a necessity for the practice. Um, so I completely changed our mindsets around it. Um, but I just wanted to, because we've been talking for a little while now, I just wanted to wrap up very quickly on this topic of gratitude. I think the big question is, like, do we enjoy the work that we do? And while it's not perfect and it's not... Uh, actually, you know what? I don't know. I'm trying to think back to what I expected like what I was always working towards and it always feels like you're working towards something, but now it's like, well, actually it's here. Mm. It's here. You know, this is the life that we have carved out for ourselves. This is what, you know, we've put ourselves in this position because we have been, we've said no to so many other things in life to live this incredibly intentional, to do this very intentional work that fills us up. And as much as like every now and then would like more better outcomes and results, like most people, you know, we talked about in a previous episode that I think episode 45, this idea of the more virus is not just something that we have as consumers wanting to buy more stuff, but this idea of more ambition and grow at all costs, kind of like Jeff Bezos, Amazon style, um, is sort of built into this idea of capitalism, right? And so you can get lost in that at times, but I think bringing yourself back down to earth and sort of appreciating that it's 2020 and, you know, you can create work that not only helps others, but completely transforms your own life, whether that's acquiring new skills or new perspectives as part of your work is nothing to sneeze at. And Mm. it's an absolute gift um, on top of that, you know, it affords us to to be at home, to work together, to spend more time with our dog and to sort of create our own unique schedules that work with our lives um, is amazing. So, 
we're feeling really good about that. And I think a big part of it is being willing to have like change our business and change our practice to work for us rather than being a slave to it. Mm. Right. And I think that's the big thing we've learned between year one of being um, doing this full time in year two is that we've turned things around to like we've settled in, we've become more experienced, we understand what's more what's important and we understand what our body needs to continue to do the work that we want to do. So I, I think that's a really important thing. We're thinking way more long term. It's not about quick wins. It's about, you know, how can we keep doing this for many years to come and enjoy it and connect with people and make an impact. So um, I just wanted to say that um, we're incredible. <laughs> I'm rambling at this point. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to make that point really, really clear. That sounds like a good place to wrap up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you have anything else to say before we close, no. the, close out this conversation? I think you've covered it all beautifully. Cool. Well, guys, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Um, and, and thank you if you've come this far. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, and thank you for sending through your ideas for this conversation, which brings me to my next point. If you do have any suggestions for future episodes or you want to get access to some of the things that we mentioned in this conversation, whether it's Seth Godin's work or the previous podcast episodes um, that we listed, you can head over to theminimalistvegan.com slash podcast and you'll find all of our show notes for every episode over there. As well as a place to tune into the podcast if you don't use podcast apps. Yeah. You can do that too. You can listen right there on the webpage. So thanks again for your attention. We don't take it for granted. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and hope you have a great week. Chat to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.